keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday. October the 5th, 2022, on the feast day of Blessed Francis Xavier Silos. Do you have a, you got a relic of, I mean, you should have a relic of Silos. There's like a whole organization dedicated to making sure that you are helping his cause. We have one at the house. We've had it for years now, praise be to God. So, Blessed Francis Xavier Silos, pray for us. Going to have a great program today. It's uh, great to be back on the air with you today. We're going to speak with Paul Graney from NTD Television about the, is the world on the verge of economic collapse? That's going to be the theme of our conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. Nothing but good news here for sure. Also, uh, the new documents have come out further exposing the Biden administration's abuse of power in their uh, use of the FBI to take down people that they don't agree with, and targeting pro-life dad Mark Houck. I'm going to cover some of those new updates via The Federalist with you coming up at 15 past the hour. Hey, David L. Gray is back on the show today. You might remember he moved to uh, to Germany, and he's been away for the last three weeks. Well, he's going to be back on. Unfortunately, we're going to have to cover a story that's not so great. An Italian bishop apparently helped to inaugurate a Masonic lodge there. And is uh, doesn't quite understand why everybody's upset about it. We're going to cover that story with David L. Gray at the top of the next hour. So please do join us if you can. So many stories in the news today. Uh, here's an all-time record. Maybe it's a Guinness World Record. I don't know. But apparently the national debt has uh, surpassed $31 trillion, making it the hugest, biggest ever debt in history. That's fun. That's always a good time. Elon Musk has agreed yet again to buy Twitter for $44 billion, dropping his suit. Nebraska, in Nebraska, there was a certain Melanie Staniford. She was a news director at a television station there, fired because she was pro-life, and she helped to bring about a pro-life campaign in her town. So that's fun. Secretary of Education Miguel Cordona, who claims to be Catholic, by the way, has come out and said that, you know, college students, they just can't be successful if they don't have access to abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catholic, you said, cat, mm, interesting. Okay. Hey, and one more piece of good news here. A Russian submarine equipped with a doomsday weapon, a nuclear bomb that could cause a uh, radioactive tsunami has apparently vanished from its base in the White Sea. This is like the hunt for Red October, <laughs> but in real life. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I can always count on you for the good news there. It's, it's all uh, fluffy stuff. It's all really... You forgot to mention the dogs, but, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. but that's okay. I'll let it pass this morning. <laughs> and this is not the future that I wanted to live in. This is I, I, did, I, I thought we would have flying cars. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. We do. Uh, a vast metropolis, kind of like uh, the Jetsons. Yeah. And uh, instead, we get nuclear tsunamis. Nice. <laughs> nuclear tsunami. It's literally a, a torpedo yeah. that parks itself off the coast of wherever they want it to be, and they can detonate it whenever they want, mm -hmm. and it causes a giant wave yeah. of radioactive Speaking of doomsday. the Arctic, there's mm -hmm. a really interesting conspiracy theory that maybe we could talk about in the after show really? regarding the Arctic. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. I wonder what it could possibly be. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, did you get any rest there, Adrian Fonseca? No. No. Mm-hmm. Zero hours of sleep. But you're, you're what, 23, 24? 24 now. Tw- you can you're, handle you're it. You're 24? I'm old now. Yeah, you should be sitting. Don't stand. It's, you're it's getting to the point where much you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> well, it's, I'm, it's, you're on the verge. It's over for me at yeah, this point. It could be. But, you know, I've actually been to the uh, Blessed Silos Shrine in uh, New Orleans. Nice. It's very beautiful. Uh, the church there is absolutely stunning. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend if you're ever in the New Orleans area, check out the Blessed Silos Shrine. So it's very, it's definitely worth a visit there uh, where he's buried there. Yeah. Praise be to God. He is a Civil War era uh, priest. So uh, uh, check out his cause, too. That would be wonderful. Joe, what, what did you do yesterday? Uh, well, we were all at the uh, gala dinner for the Guadalupe Radio Network in the Houston area last night. Uh, late night for us, praise be to God. Great, a good time though. A uh, good time was had by all. It was fun to see a lot of people I haven't seen in some time, and that was a that's always uh, nice to do. Of course, it was a beautiful event, wonderful food. Uh, Cardinal Donardo gave the keynote speech. It was it was good, but sleep was not on the agenda, so it ought to be interesting. Mm, I think today. Joe probably got more sleep today, last night than he has in a long time. I certainly got more than you. <laughs> let's put it that way. I got more than you. I slept in my office, is what I did, <laughs> just so I could try to get as much as He's I like, could. Man. I, had, I didn't have to get up until like 4 o'clock. 4 It took me yeah. <laughs> seven seconds to get to work. <laughs> I, to I, step I, out I of my may office. move into my office. I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm considering it. I'm considering it. Let's pray. Let's jump in. We've got a lot to cover today. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, October 5th, and here are your headlines this morning. Ground News reports, U.S. national debt tops $31 trillion for the first time. America's borrowing binge has long been viewed as sustainable because of historically low interest rates. But as interest rates rise, the nation's fiscal woes are getting worse. President Biden has pledged to put the U.S. on a more sustainable fiscal path and reduce federal budget deficits by $1 trillion over a decade, which is hard to believe, and you'll find out in just a minute. The Daily Wire reports transgender surgery poised to become a $5 billion industry. According to a recent report from Grandview Research, a sector saw a $1.9 billion valuation last year, and it's forecasted to expand at a compound annual growth rate of more than 11% through 2030. The rising incidences of gender dysphoria and the increasing number of people opting for gender confirmation surgeries are expected to boost the growth during the forecast period, said one of the analysts. Referring to a separate study from Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, the analysis claimed that 78% of so-called transgender males, who are females who identify as the opposite sex, experience gender dysphoria by the age of seven. I wonder if that has anything to do with the media they consumed. And the Epic Times reports U.S. is sending $625 million in military assistance to Ukraine yet again. President Joe Biden's administration is sending a fresh package of $625 million worth of howitzers and other military equipment to Ukraine to help the country defend itself against Russia.
The equipment includes four high-mobility artillery rocket systems, ammunition for the systems, anti-tank mines, and vehicles designed to be mine-resistant. And Catholic Vote reports Ford Air objects to Catholic pro-life signs. St. Paul on the Lake Catholic Church is the Roman Catholic Church uh, serving the Grosse Point Farms, Michigan area, northeastern city of Metro Detroit. The parish recently erected a large sign next to the church reading 64 million lost U.S. lives. The church's signage also offered aid to women in crisis, saying pregnant, need help, followed by the contact information for a pregnancy aid hotline. In what appears to be a repeated request, Ford stated once again, I'm writing to you, and here he's talking about he's writing to the city, with dismay concerning St. Paul Catholic Church and their use of their front lawn on Lakeshore Road to place signs and crosses advocating for their political, moral, and ethical position against abortion. But uh, consider that when you're thinking about your Ford Raptor there, Joe McLean. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Bartolo Longo. Bartolo was born to a devout Catholic family near Brinzi in southern Italy in 1841. He began to lose his way at the age of 10 after his mother died. And by the time Bartolo entered the University of Naples Law School, many of his professors were ex-priests, preaching nationalist venom against the church. He was quickly caught up in the fervor, quotes, saying, I too grew to hate monks, priests, and the Pope. He would later write, quote, and in particular, I detested the Dominicans, the most formidable, furious opponents of those great modern professors, proclaimed by the university the sons of progress, the defenders of science, the champions of every sort of freedom, end quote. He began to visit some of Naples' infamous mediums, and that was his introduction into the occult. After a period of intense study and such rigorous fasting that he was reduced to skin and bones, he was consecrated a satanic priest, and he promised his soul to a demon. For the next year, he began to preside over satanic services and to preach more boldly the blasphemously against God and the church. After three weeks of lengthy conversation with a Dominican priest, the priest was able to welcome him back into the church and give him absolution. He became a third-order Dominican, and he made a promise of celibacy to serve God with an undivided heart. He sought to do reparation for his scandal by returning to his satanic hangouts, holding up the rosary, and publicly renouncing his former ways. As I pondered over my condition, I experienced a deep sense of despair and almost committed suicide. Then I heard an echo in my ear of a voice of Friar Alberto repeating the words of the Blessed Virgin Mary, one who promulgates my rosary shall be saved. Falling to my knees, I exclaimed, If your words are true that he who propagates your rosary will be saved, I shall reach salvation because I shall not leave this earth without propagating your rosary. He spent the rest of his life beginning in Pompeii, promulgating the rosary and imitating the mysteries it contained. With the financial support of the countess, he built Pompeii's famous basilica of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary. During the last hours of October 5th, 1926, he prayed the rosy surrounded by the orphans whom he loved. And he said, quote, My only desire is to see Mary, who has saved me, and who will save me from the clutches of Satan. He said with his final breath, Blessed Bartolo Longo, pray 
for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, here's the question. Uh, Jesus is God, right? Second person, blessed Trinity. He's God incarnate, the God-man. Then why would he need to pray? That's a question St. Cyril of Alexandria asked. He says, now whereas he possesses every good in abundance, why does he pray since he is full and has altogether need of nothing? To this we answer that it befits him, according to the manner of his disposition in the flesh, to follow human observances at the time convenient for them. For if he eats and drinks, he rightly was used to pray that he might teach us not to be lukewarm in this duty, but to be the more diligent and earnest in our prayers. Close quote, St. Cyril of Alexandria. Do you pray? Are you as disciplined as our Lord is? He's trying to show you the way. St. Gregory of Nyssa says, But the highest of all good things is to glorify God's name in our lives. For who is there so debased as when he sees the pure life of those who believe does not glorify the name invoked in such a life? He then, who says in his prayer, By thy name, which I call upon, hallowed in me, prays this, May I, through thy concurring aid, be made just abstaining from all evil. Close quote, St. Gregory of Nyssa. St. Austin points out the super substantial, the epiousios word, Greek word, used there to refer to this bread, this mysterious bread. He says, quote, This is not the bread that goes into the body, but the bread of eternal life that supports the life of the soul. It is here called daily bread. Receive then daily what will daily profit you and continue so to live, that you may be daily in proper disposition for receiving it. All who are under sin have received a wound and must seek for a cure. The cure is this heavenly and most venerable sacrament. Close quote, St. Austin. See, you see, the Holy Mass, the Holy Eucharist, the real presence of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity is present there in the Our Father itself, making God's name holy in your life and making you more disposed to receive the Blessed Sacrament. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science. 
such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Paul Graney, host of NTD Business on the NTD Television Network, is going to be our guest talk about global economics. 10% inflation in like some 19 countries. Of course, there's a major, massive energy crisis all across Europe right now. The U.K. bond market's not doing good. Their tax cut deal did not work out either. We're going to have a conversation around that and so much more with Paul Graney. Please do join us at 35 past the hour and share us with a friend. We would be very, very grateful to you. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me. And as you know, we've been talking about all last week about this situation with Mark Houck and how the FBI arrested him. Interestingly enough, I had a wonderful conversation last night with a listener of the show at the dinner that we were at, uh, and she was uh, asking for my take on the FBI and the agents that uh, were used to conduct the the raid on the Hauk residence some week and a half uh, ago now. And, uh, we, and we've talked about this. I think last week I caught you up on some of the big stories. In fact, they included um, the Thomas More Society pointing out that they had volunteered Mark to come in three months before that. So there was that story, of course. And there's now some 14 whistleblowers within the FBI who are all trying to raise alarm about the overreach and abuse that's going on within the uh, the department there. So I had a wonderful conversation with this listener last night. So grateful uh, to have that conversation. And I'm so appreciative of the fact that they that they listen every day. But uh, the Federalist, uh, thefederalist.com has an article out. The headline says, with new documents, the Biden administration's targeting of a pro-life dad just got crazier. Let that sink in. Um, here's this article, and it says, uh, the private criminal complaint filed by abortion escort Bruce Love and obtained by the Federalist conflicts with the allegations contained in the federal indictment returned against pro-life sidewalk counselor Mark Houck. The fact and email exchange between Houck's lawyer and the U.S. Attorney's Office raises significant questions about the Biden administration's decision to charge Mark with purported violations of the Freedom of Access to Clinics Entrances Act, or the FACE Act, and further calls into question the FBI's excessive show of force when arresting the How, uh, Mr. Howe. Amid America's growing distrust of the FBI, the agency further damaged its reputation when not quite two weeks ago, some 15 police vehicles and about 20 law enforcement officers, including many with ballistic shields, long guns, and battering ram, at the ready, descended on the Hawks' home. While the FBI disputed the precise number of agents 
who swarmed Houck's property and stressed that the officers brandishing uh, the long guns and carrying ballistic shields were not SWAT team or SWAT operators. The FBI's overwhelming show of force to arrest the father of seven for allegedly violating the FACE Act brought swift condemnation. Now, the FBI has still yet to this date uh, specifically responded to the number of officers. They were asked. They refused to, to say so there's always been a dispute on how many the officers are. But we know this. Uh, Ryan Marie Houck, Mark's wife, uh, made it clear that they had surrounded the property, so they secured the perimeter, so you had enough officers just to do that part, let alone the other team that came to the door with their battering ram and, and all the rest. Obviously, it's an overreach. It's unnecessary for a guy who volunteered himself three months before this point to come in just to make life easier for everyone involved. They chose they chose this way instead. The scandal intensified after a dozen Republican senators revealed in a letter sent to the FBI director, Christopher Wray, that Houck's attorney, Thomas More Society lawyer Matt Heffron, has in, had informed the assistant U.S. attorney, Anita Eve, that he would accept the summons on Houck's behalf and that Houck would appear voluntarily. A copy of the email exchange between Heffron and Eve obtained Monday by the Federalist proves even more damning than the Senator's letter to Ray suggests for two reasons. First, Heffron's email to Eve in which he noted he would accept a summons on my client's behalf, rather put Mr. Houck and his family through needless disruption. That was dated June 9th. But Eve's sole response, his only time to respond to this, uh, this request by the Thomas More Society uh, attorney, was to inform them, oh, don't worry, we've already arrested him. So they send the request in June 9th to say, hey, we're, we'll come in. Don't worry, let's just save everybody the trouble. He'll turn himself in. That's June 9th. In September, September the 23rd, is when the FBI responded to that just to inform them that, hey, don't worry about it, we already arrested him. Let that sink in for a second. This is intentional. This is propaganda. This is meant for an effect, and we're going to get into that here in just a moment. So the Federalist article actually posts images of that exchange between the FBI and Matt Heffron from the Thomas More Society. Uh, the letter from Houck's lawyer to Eve also revealed serious problems in the government's case against Houck, with the Thomas More Society attorney quoting at length a case from the same judicial district that involved nearly identical facts to those involved in the Houck Love incident. In that case, the court held that a FACE Act claim could not succeed uh, because there was no evidence that force was used because the escort was providing so-called reproductive health services. Instead, the force resulted from a mutual agreement, or rather an argument, between the individuals. Stressing these legal principles, Heffron concluded his letter by suggesting that, particularly under the circumstances of the case, it should not go forward. Uh, while the charging decision was clearly the U.S. Attorney's office call, Heffron's legal analysis is sound, and the government's case against Houck is extremely weak. So much so that the dismissal of the charges pre-trial would likely be appropriate. Now, if you're just joining us, let me catch you up a little bit here. Maybe you're not familiar. Let me just give you some background super quick. 
Mark Houck is a good friend of mine, been a friend since 2007. He's also the co-host of a radio show here across the Guadalupe Radio Network side uh, called uh, Life Live Joyfully. Every Tuesday you can hear Mark Houck on the air. He's, he's fantastic. He's also the founder of an men's apostolate called The King's Men. And uh, they help build up men and leader, protector, provider. And they host uh, small groups and retreats. And it's an amazing opportunity. I have participated for many years now. Now, he was arrested about two weeks ago by the FBI at his door at 7 o'clock in the morning in front of his wife and his kids. It was a very traumatic experience. Now, a year ago, here's the thing. A year ago, he was praying in front of an abortion clinic in Philadelphia with his son and an abortion escort there, a volunteer, and he got into an altercation, and Mark pushed the guy. And so based on that, uh, they came after him uh, as a face act violation, which meant that you can't impede or hurt anybody who works uh, you, uh, at an abortion mill or, you know, you can't have anything to do with trying to stop them physically. Well, that's what's on the surface. That's the surface context background. But here's what's new and interesting from this article at The Federalist that we didn't talk about last week. And that is the gr- uh, greater detail in context of those uh, the actual confrontation that took place a year ago. You might remember, if you were tuned in last week, that I told you a little bit about that in- encounter with this guy a year ago. And how he, uh, and, uh, how he had gotten in the face of Mark's son on, and repeatedly was being vulgar, was being aggressive, argumentative, and disruptive. And Mark tried to avoid it, and the guy refused, kept going after him. So Mark finally pushed him away, told him to back off, Jack. My word's not his. But this is a little bit more interesting here. It says, further questions arise over the Department of Justice's decision to prosecute Mark Houck, given conflicts between the federal indictment and Love's summary of his encounter with Mark Houck in the private criminal complaint he filed in Philadelphia. So, just so you know, once this shoving thing happened, uh, the uh, Mr. Love there, who got shoved, who was the abortion escort, he's the guy who uh, went to, he filed the complaint with the police, and then a couple of days later, he went to go get himself checked out. You know, he needed medical attention. Not right away. Uh, not immediately after the event. Just a couple of days later. Well, there was a, uh, there was a, a local... Uh, issue here, but that local issue got tossed out. It never came to anything. It got dismissed because Mr. Love never showed to any of the court hearings. So remember that. Now, here's the deal. It says, in the indictment, the DOJ alleges two claims under the FACE Act. The first count alleged that on October the 13th, 2021, Houck shoved Love to the ground as he attempted to escort two Planned Parenthood patients. The indictment references Bruce Love as BL throughout, but his name appears in a search of the Philadelphia court records. The second count alleged that on October 13, 2021, Mark Houck verbally confronted Bruce Love and then forcefully shoved Bruce Love to the ground in front of the Planned Parenthood facility, causing injuries to Bruce Love that required medical attention. So those are the two charges against Mr. Houck by the federal government. But in a copy of the private criminal complaint, that Bruce Love filed against Mark Houck, he described only one incident and made no mention of attempting to escort Planned Parenthood patients. According to his complaint, Mark Houck was standing on the corner and Love was standing a few feet away from Houck waiting for clients. 
Hauk stated to Love to stay away from him and that he will push Love into the street. As Love was walking away from Hauk, Love states Hauk pushed Love, causing him to fall to the ground. The complaint then notes that Love notified the police and sought medical treatment a few days later. Uh, now, again, he never showed for his court dates. The state court dismissed Love's private criminal complaint after he failed to show up for a required hearing, only to have the Department of Justice take up the case. But as a matter of law, the facts of the private criminal complaint sworn out by Love do not constitute a violation of the FACE Act because Hauk was standing at a corner away from the abortion facility. No clients were involved, and the alleged assault had nothing to do with so-called reproductive services. And that conclusion flows from Love's vision, or version rather, of the facts, ignoring Hauk's allegation that Love was harassing his 12-year-old son. Let that sink in. So even based on Mr. Love's uh, account of the the, uh, altercation, you still can't come up with a face act violation here. But nonetheless, um, it is pretty appalling that you're going to get an abortion escort to harass a 12-year-old and pester and be aggressive, even though Mr. Hauk tried to move away from the scene before he had got to the point where he's like, back off, Jack. And it ought to be interesting to see how far this case goes. Keep them in your prayers, of course. But here's the thing. Here's the takeaway in all of this. I believe this is the goal because they want to intimidate. They want people to uh, to not come and pray. They want you to think that if you show up, you may end up being arrested by the FBI or in court or, or whatever else. The article concludes with this. It says, conservatives got the message and their concern for the safety of their children will lead to fewer to pray to protest or provide help outside abortion facilities. And that message will last longer than the public's outrage, which is exactly what the Biden administration counted on. Will we be intimidated? Will we have to face difficulties? Yeah, I think we're going to see both. But should we give up? No, absolutely not. Because if we don't go, who's going to be there to help convince these women that there's a better option? I don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Hi, this is Sister Didi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Now, more headlines. The Epic Times reports DNA on seized hand grenades does not belong to Oath Keepers defendant Jeremy Brown, according to an FBI lab. Defense attorneys in the Oath Keepers' seditious conspiracy trial renewed their request to block federal prosecutors from mentioning two hand grenades allegedly brought to the Washington area after they discovered that the DNA found on the grenades does not belong to Florida Oath Keepers member Jeremy Brown. Brown has said he believes that the September 2021 raid on his property and federal indictments were retaliation for his refusal to become an FBI informant and spy on the Oath Keepers. Agents from the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force met with Brown at a Florida restaurant in December 2020, according to a detailed letter he sent to the Epic Times on December 31, 2021. Just the News reports China launches police station in New York City. The People's Republic of China has established an overseas police service station in New York City to monitor Chinese nationals in the United States, according to a human rights group. Watchdog group Safeguard Defenders asserted that Beijing had established 110 overseas stations to monitor its citizens abroad. Ostensibly, these facilities were largely created to handle administrative issues for Chinese citizens while outside of the country. However, the report also noted that the Chinese authorities had induced 230,000 Chinese nationals to voluntarily return to the country and face criminal proceedings. The Washington Examiner reports Russian submarine with nuclear tsunami technology vanishes. One of Russia's nuclear-powered submarines named Belograd was has vanished from its Arctic harbor, and Western countries fear it could be gearing up to test its advanced weapon systems. Belograd is believed to be armed with Poseidon nuclear torpedoes, torpedoes that supposedly have the ability to traverse hundreds of miles underwater and induce nuclear tsunamis near coastal regions. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Hey, don't forget, you can always check out the podcast of our show. We're available on iTunes, on Spotify, on uh, Google Play Store, I believe. We also post them right on our website, so it makes it easy. You can find our podcast feed there, all of our uh, the radio stations we broadcast on, and a ton of other information. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, to find all of that, again, the, the podcast is there as well. But um, do us a favor and subscribe to us on the iTunes store and leave us a, a review. A five-star review helps us to reach a new audience, and we'd be super, super grateful for that. Again, you can find all the details at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You know, I think it was about, uh, maybe it was a month ago now or so, I was watching a documentary over at Epic TV uh, on the Raid on America, and it was... It was narrated and hosted by Paul Graney. He is the host of NTD Business on the NTD Television Network. And uh, it was a really insightful documentary, especially in light of what we just talked about, which was the FBI raid on the Hauk family. It seems to be a trend these days, a frightening one at that. And he joins us now by Zoom Check. Good morning to you, Mr. Paul Graney. 
Hey, good morning, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, we're very grateful for your time. Can we just start with that? I want to get to the global economic situation, but can we just start with that documentary? Um, tell us how did that? Uh, how did? Uh, it seems like that was something that uh, you might have been um, uh, brought into that project and kind of knew there. But were you at all uh, frightened, surprised, interested in the in the storyline here? The FBI seems to be going above and beyond in more times than not. In a, in a using their their show of force and arresting January Sixers or like my case, my friend Mark Howe, things like that. Were you surprised by that information? Well, I think Joe, Jesse Benal, one of the attorneys that we spoke with during the documentary, I think he put it best. I think in America now we're seeing things that maybe shock us, but they don't necessarily surprise us. And I think when we came into this documentary and, and when we saw what happened with the raid on, on Mar-a-Lago, I think for people like yourselves and people who've been listening to you and people who've been reading the Epoch Times or watching NTD television, maybe we were shocked, but we weren't necessarily surprised given all that's happened since President Trump uh, announced his president his, his candidacy back in 2016. And I think we went into it like any good journalist. We went into it with an open mind. Okay, perhaps the president did do something wrong. You know, perhaps like it, it is true. Nobody is above the law. So we went into this with a very open mind. We looked at what the DOJ was saying, what Trump's critics were saying, and also what the president was saying and, and legal experts who were kind of more on his side or, or were defending him. Um, and we made the documentary for people who may not have been following this since 2016 or may not have believed the Spygate um, information and that, that President Trump was being unfairly targeted because, what, there's half the country, maybe, maybe fewer people now who, who, who believe it. So we went into it with that mindset and we looked at both sides. And, and at the end, we, we just leave it up to the viewer to mm. um, make the decision. But, it, but it's, yeah, the, the viewers can, can take a look for themselves. It was an incredible uh, journey to, to go through it again, everything we've been through since 2016. Yeah, and speaking of things we're going through, let's talk about e economics here, something you cover quite a bit on NCD Business. Um, global inflation, let's talk about it. Let's start there. I, I think there were some 19 countries that are at 10% right now, and and moving in the wrong direction, this is going to have a lasting impact on the rest of the world. Can you give us some insight? Mm -hmm. well, I think basically, Joe, we've destroyed our currencies, not just here in America, but all around the world. The, the effects of inflation we're seeing is from rampant money printing. Fundamentally, they did lock down the country or the, the world. You know, you can't just lock down the world and expect things to spring back up again. So it kind of burned the candle on both ends. It printed rampant amounts of money. Governments around the world, not just recently, but for decades, have been printing money. And once they shut down the world, locked down the world, basically the supply chains broke. And so we're, we're trying to come through um, this and, and really burning the candle at both ends. And we see it much worse in places like the UK, in Europe, um, in, in emerging markets where the currencies are devaluing much faster. But it will get worse here in America, I do predict. But I think about, you just mentioned uh, places where it's going to have a bigger impact in like third world countries. They're going to suffer far faster than we are. We're already seeing, uh, even on the, uh, not economics, but even on the food level, the food shortages that have been as a result to supply chain problems, crop yield problems, and the Ukraine issue. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, people starving in places like Afghanistan, parts of Africa, 
I mean, this is it's kind of a global crisis. Um, but do you see that uh, the way in which these governments are handling this crisis, are they making proper steps? Are they actually addressing this or is printing money continuing to uh, further aggravate the problem? I think so. It seems to be what the governments have turned to, especially since 2008. A lot of this happened during the great financial crisis. Okay, we have a financial crisis. What do we do? Do we let the banks go bust? Do we let the businesses go bust? Which really, in a uh, call ourselves capitalists, right? Like we, we should let things go bust when things aren't good, right? Clear it out and, and make space for new, fresh, good things that actually work, people want. But we didn't. We bailed out the banks. We bailed out the businesses. And we got hooked on that. Even the government got hooked on it. It's, it's very mm. easy, right? Okay, people are failing. We don't want people to lose their jobs. Just give them money. We don't want these businesses who are maybe donating to us or whatever. We don't want to fall out of favor with them. Just bail them out. And this trend has, um, it, it's really gone. Since 2008, this is what we've been hooked on. And it's harder and harder to get off it, Joe, because the companies, the businesses, uh, the financial system in general gets worse and worse and worse because you're not clearing out the trash, clearing out the bad stuff. You're just printing out new money and, and feeding it into the system and keeping this, uh, you could call it a, a kind of a faulty or a corrupt system going. And um, I think that is a big part for the, the, the currency system and the banking system. And on the food shortages you mentioned, it's terrible. I think what's happening is terrible. And we can also talk about the the green policies which are affecting energy and affecting all of this farm and agricultural uh, shortage as well. Mr. Graney, this is uh, Rudy Carlos here. And, uh, you know, I think as Americans, we, we think of economic collapse from the perspective of, uh, say, the 2008 economic uh, situation or other, other examples. But I'm wondering, you know, since we're talking about a global scale, um, has there any has there been a, a collapse of that magnitude in different countries of the world, kind of like what we experienced here in, in 2008? I think 2008, because we printed so much money, um, we it was relatively subdued. Look, a lot of people lost the money. A lot of people lost value of their homes. But like, if you look back to something like the Great Depression, we didn't do that. And and look, things were bad. Things were worse for longer. But we got through it, and the country was stronger. We went through a period of great growth and great prosperity. Um, other than that, you look at somewhere like Argentina. You look at somewhere like Venezuela, who, who just printed money continuously to, to get themselves out of problems. Eventually, the currency will decline. Eventually, people will say, government, I don't want your money anymore. Nobody will accept your money anymore. You know, mm. we're, we're going to do something else. We'll go on to the black market. We'll, 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 we'll trade in gold, we'll, we'll barter. And that's, that's what we're seeing in places like Venezuela. We're seeing in places like Argentina. And I think as America, as the world's reserve currencies, kind of this trendy term, the trendy um, uh, way to put it, we can postpone it for a certain amount of time. But we're kind of seeing the dominoes fall around us. We're seeing the UK pound falling, the yen falling, the euro falling, all the emerging market currencies falling. And eventually, it will come in and get us in the United States as well, if we continue on the road we're going. Hold that thought. Uh, we are right at a network break here. Paul Graney is our guest. He is the host of NTD Business on the NTD Television Network. Talking about the global economy, on the other side of the break, I want to talk about that energy crisis. Of course, uh, the, the situation in the U.K. just got a lot more interesting with their tax cut plan. We're going to catch up on that. But uh, OPEC is cutting oil production. 
Is that a good thing? Hmm, bad stuff there. And historic debt in the U.S.? All next. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friendships tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institutions, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Paul Graney is our guest, host of NTD, NTD Business on the NTD Television Network. Talking about the global economic situation, let's go back to the energy crisis for a second, Paul. Um, of course, we know the pipelines got uh, sabotaged uh, last week. And we even uh, discussed that as it's still a mystery as to who's responsible. Was it the Russians? Was it somebody else? Who knows? We don't know. But uh, nonetheless, the situation in Europe is getting very critical. In fact, there was reports that people all over Europe were trying to find wood stoves, trying to find wood supplies, just to try to stay warm this winter because their energy prices have gone up 500%. How, this doesn't seem at all sustainable. This seems like one more thing on the pile that could create something very, very serious between the economics, between the energy, between the, the, you know, the threat of nuclear war. How, how do you see it? I'll tell you something interesting. We ran, replace our, our Russian imports. We're going to phase out our coal processing plants by 2030. We hear this year a lot, 2030. Insane. It's, it's insane. It's really, really insane. And even during the... the I don't know if these politicians have ever been involved in business or anything or done any negotiations, but even when the war first started, they were telling Russia, okay, or they were telling the world, they weren't speaking to Russia, they ignored any, any diplomacy or anything with Russia, they were just telling the world what they were planning, and they were saying, we're going to cut off Russian oil, and we're going to cut it off immediately as fast as possible, but we're not going to cut off the gas because we need Russian gas for a certain number of years, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm Vladimir Putin. And these people are telling the world, okay, we're going to cut off Russian oil, but we need the Russian gas, okay? But we're going to cut off oil. We're being the tough men. Like, I wasn't surprised in the least when Putin said, okay, we're not going to send you so much gas anymore, right? And so these people and, and these politicians, I don't think they have much common sense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's putting it diplomatic, in a diplomatic way. They're really, um, 
not doing well by the European people. To be focused on something like climate change at the moment and to be focused on all the different things that they're focused on and not focused on, you, like you said, heating people's homes, getting people fed and getting them through this, what's going to be an incredibly harsh winter well, for, to, for the Europeans. To that point, the what's concerning to me, and I was having this discussion yesterday with a friend of mine, that if this is the case, that we have an energy crisis across Europe and maybe, uh, hopefully not in the U.S., but probably maybe that as well, we're that's going to cause unrest among the people and you know there's a saying that we're only uh two paychecks away from anarchy but what what how much worse if without energy at all whatsoever so what do you think the result will be if this turns out to be a very cold winter for europe people what will the populace do Mm -hmm. Look, there could be unrest. The Europeans are, are, are pretty civilized people, you know, and they've, they've borne a lot. They're, they've borne a lot already with the, the European Union has, has changed Europe economically and has definitely changed Europe politically. You know, it's become very liberal. You guys did a, a piece on Ireland yesterday. You know, Ireland has changed so much in the past 10, 15 years. It's just been incredible. And I think a lot of it could be put on the uh, a, a good friend of mine from Ireland, he spends a lot of time here, very successful business person. And, and he was involved in politics for a long time in, in Ireland. And he supports the European Union. He's a very conservative guy. He's a very religious guy, very strong faith. But he supported the European Union. He saw its, its pros. But he was always asking the, uh, the politicians there, what are European values? You know, you, you guys keep talking about European values. What are you talking about? And then over time, over time, over time, he realized, oh, you're talking about these modern, liberal, progressive values. This is what you mean. He said, I don't support this. I don't believe in this, right? And, and, and the point I will make is we're seeing that change already politically. We look at Georgia Maloney, the, the kind of Christian conservative lady who's going to be the new prime minister of, of uh, Italy. Even we look at Sweden coming up. Um, it looks like they, they may elect a right-wing government, a conservative government, which for Sweden would be just incredible. So I think in the long term, you could see a lot of populism. You could see a more conservative government. Um, in the short term, the Europeans are good people, you know, and, and I feel even if you look at somewhere like Ireland, they're docile to the point of maybe even being naive. Mm. But, but that may save any kind of violent unrest. That, this is what I would hope. Look, I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I think because my concern was the idea that, you know, that just looking in history, a lot of wars are fought over resources. And, and people are all focusing in on Russia and Ukraine and that causing World War Three. But now that we see this energy crisis, I'm concerned that we may have renewed wars over resources that we really haven't seen in the West for a very long time. Yes, absolutely. I don't know what what armies Europe has to fight anymore unless they're going to send the the U.S. Army to do their bidding, which could happen. But look, we're at a really, really uh, strange and, and tense time around the world, whether we're talking about war, whether we're talking about the economy, whether we're talking about energy, inflation, um, and, and even what, what we were talking about with the institutions here in America and the institutions around the world, it seems that trust is, is eroding. Uh, and, and who knows what will happen next? We can only pray and hope that things will, will go well. Yeah. Oh, so there was also OPEC cutting oil 
And uh, the U.K.'s efforts to cut taxes didn't (laughs) seem to go so well there. And their bond market is not doing great. So it's very interesting to see what's going to happen in in Europe, of course. But uh, with uh, about five minutes left in our conversation, uh, let's turn to the United States here. Uh, The job market is still lots of available work to be had, but I guess not enough people to fill those spots. Historic debt. Not something we should be proud of. I think it was, what, $31 trillion and counting. Uh, Why would our government continue to print money on demand, sending billions overseas to to the Ukraine situation, while we have growing inflation, $5,500 per household just this year in inflation extra cost? Uh, It seems rather insane to me, but something you said earlier, it's like these people have no sense whatsoever. I think so, Joe, and and I'll I'll use the UK as an example like you brought up. So the UK government, the new one, wanted to come in and cut taxes. Look, we'd all love a break from taxes, right? (laughs) Income taxes here in America, corporate taxes we'd love a break from because it holds back growth. It holds us back and it will reduce us to stagnation. We could hit stagflation here in the United States, high inflation, stagnant economic growth, and a lot of it is down to high regulations, high taxes, and insane government printing. And the lesson from the UK is because their debt and deficits were so high in the UK, whenever the government tried to come in and cut the taxes, the markets went berserk Mm. because they said, you guys are spending too much money. You guys, if you if you cut the taxes, you're going to have to print more money to make up the shortfall. You're going to make inflation work. Like you said, the value of the the pound plummeted, the bonds plummeted. And it's a lesson for us here in America, for the people who say, debts and deficits don't matter. They don't matter until you want to do something like cut taxes for the people or to spur economic growth. And then the markets say, well, if you're going to cut taxes, you don't have the the revenue to bring in. You're going to have to print more money and inflationists have to go even higher and the markets go berserk. And you have this complete breakdown. It was a panic in the UK, an absolute panic. So it was just incredible. So the, the debts and deficits here, like you said, the government is just completely irresponsible. But if they they were responsible here in the United States, we have what it's what seven percent right now, I think, uh, and going up. But they can't go like we were. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. We can't go back to Jimmy Carter Day kind of inflation because of the way they print money now versus the way they did it then. Um, At some point, it becomes like totally destructive. Uh, because we're we're having a hard time selling our debt now on the world stage. Less and less countries are buying our debt because our dollar is devaluing by the day. Do you see a time when that uh, that U.S. dollar world standard starts to switch? I know Russia, Iran, China are all pushing for another standard on the world stage. Do you see that actually happening? The simple answer is yes, and and. That will be a serious day for America because the U.S. dollar is actually America's most powerful weapon. Because they are the world's reserve currency, every government, everybody in the world wants U.S. dollars. The U.S. dollar is the, the U.S. government is the only person who can print dollars. And that is one of their strongest diplomatic weapons. Probably take a little bit longer to go into it, but yes. If we keep acting irresponsibly, people won't want our dollars anymore. And if people don't want our dollars, we will lose massive influence politically uh, around the world. Is it possible to reverse this? Can we uh, 
Can we step back from $31 trillion in, in historic debt? Or yes. is that ship sailed and we just keep getting further and further in debt at this point? No, it can. If the government were to balance their budget, reduce the deficits, because every country in the world has gone crazy with, with going into debt and deficits. Everyone is doing it. If the United States were to get their house in order, balance their budget, you would see enormous prosperity in America, enormous. But the government don't want to do that because they are allocating the resources. They are printing the money. They're putting it into climate change things, social things, all of these things. They don't want to balance the budget. They want to keep spending and advancing these political agendas. If they were to turn and focus on the people, you would see massive prosperity in America. Trump wanted to do it. Mm. Well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but every time they up the uh, the interest rate, another percentage point, if I'm not mistaken, that translates to $100 million in interest loan payments for the government? Mm, absolutely. 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 But think about it this way. The U.S. government can print money to pay it off in the short term. When they raise the interest rates, foreign governments' debt servicing skyrockets, skyrockets. But this is one little neat thing. That actually gives the United States some leverage internationally. And that may be one reason why they're increasing interest rates is to get the leverage over countries around the world, bring them into their plans, bring them into their agendas. Because every time they raise the interest rates, these other countries need more dollars to service their dollar debt. So keep that in mind as well in these kind of great power games. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. It's an understatement. Paul Graney has been our guest, host of NTD Business on the NTD Television Network. You can also watch him and uh, check out his articles over at Epic Times. God bless you, Paul. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us. If you can join us in the second hour, David L. Gray is going to be joining us from Germany. We're going to be talking about a Italian bishop inaugurating a free Mason Lodge. What's going on there? Join us on grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you then. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. 
Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Larry Massey, owner of HolyBears.com and proud sponsor of AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, Catholic Radio for the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Coming up at 15 past this hour, we're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling. You could win prizes. It's possible. It's very possible. It's a winner, man. In fact, that was one of the, one of the comments I got last night at the dinner. And by the way, if you were at the dinner last night, or if you've been to any dinner in the Guadalupe Radio Network this year, thank you for being there. Thank you for donating. Mm-hmm. Thank you for supporting our radio postulate. We are incredibly grateful to you. Yeah, but uh, people love the game show. They like, they like learning things, and they like having a laugh along the way. But you could also win prizes. So I'll give you the number at 15 past the hour, and then you can uh, jump on the line, play our game, and who knows? You'll have a laugh, you'll learn something, and you might win too. So be on the ready for that phone number, praise be to God. You know, I was just thinking about the Paul Graney conversation we just had about the economy. It just seems like they're piling on. Like, they're just <laughs> one more log on the the fire that's consuming the world. A nuclear war. Here you go. Uh, you know, missing Russian submarine with nuclear tsunami uh, torpedo. Here you go. Little another log on the fire. Oh, by the way, <laughs> energy crisis. Little log on the fire. And food crisis, log on the fire, great unrest. Think of it from a personal perspective. When a person is in debt, mm-hmm. they think, oh, well, what's one more dollar going to cost? You know, I'm already in debt. I'm going to buy what I need, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the thing I frivolously don't need. I'm just yeah. going to get it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what's the point? I'm already mm-hmm. in debt. Uh, yeah. I see where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go out and buy my Ford F-150 Raptor tonight. You can't. You can't um, support Ford after the the... I have no idea how to pay for it. You've seen the gay truck? But I should get one, I'm thinking. The the heir of Ford does not Uh, like pro-life signs. So you cannot buy Ford anymore. I'm sorry. Are you being serious? I'm decreeing it. Do I have to go with the Dodge Power Wagon instead? I think so. I think you need a Hemi. Or do I go with the Chevy Trail Boss? Yeah. A lot of my friends Hmm. talking about um, the whole situation with the, the forgiveness of the student loans. Yeah, they're talking oh, yeah, about there you go. Yeah, they're talking about the, the about, ten like, billion or something. At this point, who cares about all the about the money? They're like, they're, everybody's like saying, "Oh, well, money's fake anyway, so who cares? <laughs> Just spend all the money, take all the loans, whatever." At the end of the day, it's all fake money anyway. And I'm like, that's not that's not good. But at the same time, yeah, like what do you what do you can you expect from people yeah, yeah. whenever we're just like. Like we're we're taking all these taxes, mm-hmm. we're, we take, le- but after taking all these taxes, we still don't even reach nearly what our budget is, 
and so they're printing more money. And at this point, it's like, who cares? I know, but if we if we treated our personal finances, our family's finances, like the government does, our kids, our grandkids are all going to be having to uh, shoulder the debt. Like if I were to die today, you know, my wife would have to figure out how to manage whatever debt I left behind. Yeah, uh, It's terribly irresponsible. Uh, one yeah. should live within their means. Absolutely. And, and the government is, all of these governments, every one, I think you said, you just looked it up. Chile is the only government living it's on the gold, the gold standard. standard. Chile. <laughs> or is it, it's Chile. Sorry. Chile. My bad. Chile. Can I say it with an accent? Yeah, praise be to God. Speaking of gold standard, David O'Gray is back on with us. Gray uh, standard? All the way from uh, from beautiful Deutschland. Good morning Guten to you, Tag. Mr. Gray. Hair Gray. Oh, good, good morning there. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Joe, Rudy. Praise be to and God. Good to see you again, Adrian. my friend. It's, been a, it's yeah. been a hot minute since you've been on. Have you mastered German, sir? Not yet, but I'm, I'm definitely working on it. Yesterday, I think I went through, took Olivia, you know, took her to school, and so we went through um, the McDonald's drive-through before school, get her a little breakfast, and the whole order, I said it in um, German, and she really? was really impressed. So I, was, I, was happy. I was happy about that. <laughs> That's right. All right, David, take the camera out and take us on a tour. I, yeah, well, yeah, well, I did go on a tour with David. He did a church tour of his town, and it was yeah. kind of awkward when he thought there was, he was in a Catholic church, only to discover it was Protestant. <laughs> right. This is Lutheran. <laughs> that, was a, that was great. I like, chased some guy down. We're like, what is this place? <laughs> Yikes, Protestant. That's hilarious. Uh, all right, yeah. so before we jump into our, our Italian Freemason story, uh, let's, uh, let me ask you, what's the most interesting thing you've uh, experienced or discovered so far living in Germany? <laughs> oh, man. I think I was really fascinated by how beautiful um, some of the cities are, like Mainz, mm -hmm. and um, there there's another one in, in Kaiserslaut, and here where I'm at in Kaiserslaut, it's like, man, after I went to, like, um, some some bigger cities. I just realized I'm living in a ghetto. So that, that's that's one that's one thing. But in, and so in driving on the uh, autobahn mm. is not what I thought it was. There's a lot of traffic jams. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You yeah. can't really go as fast as you want to because there, it's always an accident. Yes, so. exactly. Now we used to call those pigsties. Do they still call them pigsties there? Uh, no, I haven't heard that one yet. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. But it, it reminded me of, you know, getting off on an exit. You know, it's not exit, it's osfart, which is like a funny word. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Osfart. <laughs> oh, praise be. I'm jealous, man. I'd love to go back to Germany. Well, hopefully you're having a good time. But I saw this article yesterday, and this blows my mind. It's they're not even trying to hide it anymore. I mean, <laughs> the good old days where they would just be quiet about it, all of their, their deeds. But there was a, an article out that a bishop in Italy uh, joined Freemasons in inaugurating a free, uh, uh, Freemasonic Lodge there. Could you give us the story? Yeah, so this is more a continuation. The same, I think a few weeks ago, we, we covered a story about how Bishop in, in, in Puerto Rico, he had, he, the Freemasons had come to his um, town hall or something like that, his, his reception party. And a, a year ago over in Grenada, there's another incident of a bishop allowing the Freemasons to use the cathedral for their anniversary. So now we're here in Italy and um, the, the bishop there, I think he's only been a bishop for just for a couple of years. He's Francisco Antonio Sodu, I, I believe his name is. And so, the Grand Orient of Italy, they're creating, they, they built a new Grand Lodge in his, in the town 
of tyr- tyranny and uh, where he's the bishop. And so he attends the grand opening, the ribbon cutting of this building. He's right there when the, the grand master is cutting the ribbon to this new building, all smiles, all happy hands. In clerics. And, and it's just one of the most disgusting things you've ever seen. But it, it's like I said, it's, we, we have a long history in the Catholic Church of popes and bishops seem, wanting to make friends with Freemasons during yeah. these particular times. It is rather odd, considering the Church's position on secret societies has not changed uh, in all of this time. And uh, what's also interesting is one of the articles that I read, I think this one's over at churchmilitant.com, they said uh, that the, 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 uh, the Grand Master there used the opportunity to bash the Church in front of the bishop. On and celebrate September the 20th, 1870, uh, and he says, quote, Today, as in the past, our goal is always the same, to celebrate all the battles of freedom, starting with the one that in 1870, with the breach of Porta Pia, put an end to the, uh, to the dominion of the Church, favoring the birth of a free and secular Italy, close quote. That is... Why would the, like, this is the most insane thing to me ever. Not only has the church's position not changed on secret societies, the bishop should know this. And if he doesn't, how'd you become a bishop again? I'm just curious. And then, of course, uh, he's standing here and being bashed to his face. What was his response? Any idea? Yeah. And so his headquarters, right? The chancery sends out this communique, um, saying, oh, it's just a misunderstanding. And, and if you read the communique, it's, it's sort of like, um, if you put like a bunch of words together, if you say camera, um, taco, um, blue, um, toupee, these are all words. Those are four words, nothing of which put the, uh, creates a sentence or anything incoherent whatsoever. And that's what the communication was like, just a bunch of words that, that really meant nothing. Yeah. Oh, it is bizarre on a number of levels, but ultimately, Freemasons, you, you were one. Uh, I, I was one as well. My dad still is. Um, so we've had this conversation on a number of occasions, but the, the Freemasons oppose the church fundamentally because they are a competing religion, would you say? It is a competing religion and it has its own system of sacraments, which, you know, are three degrees. They can convey some sort of way by which man is supposed to improve himself through his own human efforts outside of God and his grace. And in fact, you cannot even mention the name Jesus Christ in lies. So on, on every way, this organization is completely antithetical to Freemasonry. Um, Pope Clement saw it from the very beginning. And I'd like to just point out, some people say, oh, well, this is the Grand Orient of Italy. It's been involved in machinations throughout the history of the church. But, you know, they're, they're, not, they're a little bit different from American Freemasons. I'd I just like to point out one thing that Pope Pius um, the ninth has said, uh, said in his, his papal encyclical in enmity. He, he pointed out that whatever sets, wherever they are, uh, Freemasonry is opposed to Catholic teaching, and no Catholic can be a Freemason. So the Catholic Church has never made a distinction between sets or inside baseball Freemasonry. All Freemasonry, wherever it is, is um, uh, we're not allowed to join it, is antithetical to Catholicism just because its principles are just incompatible on every level. Now, David, come on now. I can hear it right now. We're going to have people commenting, listeners, emails. They're all going to come in. 
come on, David. My neighbor is a Freemason. My father-in-law, my my brother, uh, they're all great guys. They do wonderful things. It's just a fraternity. What could be the problem? I'll ask them to really just be honest. Look at the trajectory of all these men's lives. Now, I've seen it in, in Freemasonry and Joe Press. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it as well. The more exposure a man has to Freemasonry, the darker his soul becomes. Because they, they belong to an organization that is opposed to Christ and his church. Jesus, again, again, Jesus' name cannot even be mentioned in the large. So you look at look at the trajectory of these men's lives. And what you'll find, you'll, you'll find, you'll find drug abuse, you'll find broken marriages, you'll find broken families. And because um, that's just the trajectory of exposing yourself to demonic activity, which Freemasonry is. But there, I think an important distinction is made that you made a minute ago in that they're not all the same as far as their anti-Catholic rhetoric or zealousness. Wouldn't you agree? We see that more in places like Italy or even in Mexico, other parts of the world. But in the United States, would you say it's been less so in the last uh, 150 years? I think there's two expressions of Freemasonry, definitely. You have your continental branch, which your Grand Orient lodges come out of, like this Grand Orient Italy, where they're very outward in their expressions, such as St. Maximilian Colby saw when Freemasons marching down the street with flags and and promising to do um, things against the Catholic Church. And then you have the Anglo set of Freemasonry that's coming out of England, Ireland, and Scotland, and they're more internal in their uh, attacks. But the, the expression is still the same. They want to create a world where there's separation of church and state, and they just go about it two different ways, one outwardly, one more through legislation and law that we don't really see. Mm. Now, this bishop back in Torini, Italy, who went to this inauguration, stood there, cut the ribbon and all the rest, he did get a lot of backlash, as we said a little bit ago. Uh, But in his defense, they said he was there to preach the gospel, although it's not been proven any way, shape, or form that he actually did preach the gospel. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's just assume for the sake of the conversation, the bishop was there to preach the gospel to these Freemasons. Do you think that that would be a valid reason to be there for as a bishop? No, it, it, and it's failed. It's a history of failure with this. We saw when Pope Clement, um, um, Pope Pius IX, in his liberal years, when Freemasons were building a, a monument to George Washington, United States, he would say, oh, I'll be friends with them. Let's make friends with Freemasons, find some common ground. And he sent them the cornerstone to be used in that edifice. Luckily, the anti-Masonic party stole it. And so we weren't, uh, we weren't scandalized. We've seen it when Pope Pius VII, um, Edward Fester, who's a Catholic and a Freemason, the father of um, vaccines, he, he knighted him in the ori of the Golden Order, order of the Golden Spur. And so uh, throughout history, there's incidents like these where we try to make friends with Freemasons. And a lot of it happened after World War II. Uh, Freemasons, Jews, and Catholics, we thought we had a common enemy. Um, Hitler and the Nazis were trying to kill us all. And, you know, there were some times we fought together, but we weren't friends. And um, we we just can't be friends with those who are aligned with Satan. So it's always a failed mission when when we try to reach out in this way. Yeah. All right. David L. Gray, God bless you, my brother. Thanks for being on again. It's so good to see you. I'm glad you're getting settled there. Check out davidlgray.info where he has a book on what the church teaches on Freemasonry. Highly encourage you to check that out to educate yourself. 
DavidLGray.info. God bless you, David. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right. Coming up next is the game show. Time to have a good time, learn something, and possibly win prizes. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. But you're not allowed to tell anybody. Why are you whispering? I don't know. But don't tell anybody. That's the rules. All right? Stop. Stop. You're tweeting. I can see it. Don't do it. You have your hands on the wheel. Just drive. All right? So if you'll just drive, not tell your friends, I shall tell you our secrets and agendas. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something. Praise be to God. You can always brag about it. It's always a good time. Uh, of course, in a humble way. Uh, then, of course, we laugh, and we like to have a chuckle, and our callers are amazing. We enjoy that, I think, quite a bit. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everyone involved, because not only could you uh, you know, learn something, laugh, but you might win, too. So, really, it's an amazing thing. But here's the catch. I do have three Catholic trivia questions sitting in front of me, and I'm going to say you're going to learn at least one thing today. At the minimum, you're going to learn one thing you didn't know. 
But I don't ask the caller the questions. So they may not know any of the correct answers, but they could still win the game. And that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian. One of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer then will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? I'm excited about the prize this week, praise be to God. Because uh, our sponsor is Divinia Water. Nice. You might be thinking, water? What are you talking about? Yeah, Divinia Water is the most distinguished bottled water on the market. It's free from microplastics, heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and hundreds of other contaminants. And if you tuned in last time when we had a conversation with Teresa Marsano, you'll know what's inside of your bottled water there. Now, this water is bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line blessed by a Catholic priest. And Divinia is run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings while giving you the best in clean, functional hydration. They ship right to your door and offers convenient subscription options if you're into that. And if you'd like to know more, you can go to DiviniaWater.com to learn more about their process. But the winner this week is going to win a 12-pack of their water. Cool. Yeah. DiviniaWater.com. God love you. Thank you for being generous and giving us something to give away to our audience. Uh, DiviniaWater.com. Praise be to God. All right. God is so very good. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Patty and Tony. Good morning. morning. Praise be to God. How are you? We're great. How are you this morning? I am alive, and that counts. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, we're driving on our way to school this morning. Tony goes to the Notre Dame School of Dallas, and I'm his aunt taking him to school this morning. Well, hello, Auntie uh, Patty. Uh, my wife would call you a Tia. That's the Portuguese thing. Tia Patty. Uh, praise be to God. We're glad you're on. Tony, how are you, sir? I am doing good. You ready for school today? I am. Nice. Praise be to Jesus. What's your favorite part of school again? Uh, I can't remember. Was it lunchtime? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't before, but now my that you kind of guy. <laughs> Everything's that based on on uh, looking forward to the next meal. Praise <laughs> to Jesus. All right, uh, you are a veteran here. You know the rules very well. But I should warn you today, Patty and Tony. Uh, not only is uh, Brother Rudy wearing a tie, he's got the small paisleys on. I Uh-oh. think, but he's wearing a sweater <laughs> instead of a jacket. No paisleys, okay. Joe. These I'm are... not sure what to make of that. I mean, it's a diamond pattern. It's good luck paisleys. is my best oh. guess here. Good. Oh, yikes. Are you ready? We're ready. We're ready. All right. Praise be to God. Good morning. Sweater, huh? Oh, yeah. Very interesting choice. It's the comfortable choice. What are you trying to say here? What's I'm the message? Feeling under the weather. Is that what it would? Oh. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. Let's do this. Let's start with a Scottish History Scotland. question. A Scottish history question. My right. favorite of all. Are you ready? You, ha- you do have your clan history memorized, right? That's true. Okay. The, the McCarlos clan. <laughs> <laughs> the McCarlos clan. All right. Can you tell me, how was St. Andrew martyred? He was crucified on an X. Ooh. On an X. Yep. Kind of like Conan the Barbarian. Remember that? I've never seen that You remember that? I've never seen that. Oh, man, it was was crazy. Huh. All right. Okay. Crucified on an X, you say. All right, let's see what uh, Brother Adrian has to say. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Uh, Why are you whispering? Uh, I thought that's what we were doing. (laughs) 
Okay. Oh, oh we're not. We're not yes. doing that. Okay. Can Sorry. you tell me, sir, how was Saint Andrew martyred? Saint Andrew, he was flayed alive. Really? All of his skin was just slid off. That sounds less than ideal. Yeah, it's very gross. It sounds very you know. I, in not terms good. of uh, ways to die, mm-hmm. that's going to be one of the ones that I'm going to um, avoid, if at all possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 Saint Bartholomew is another one that that happened to you, I think. Yeah. No, it was Andrew. Was it? Yeah. He was the only one. Mm-hmm. It was only one. Yeah. It was Andrew. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! No kidding. Mind blown. Patty and Tony, you got options here on your way to school. Uh, Saint Andrew. Uh, was he crucified on an X as Rudy is suggesting, or was he flayed alive as Adrian would like us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Patty and Tony, what say you? It's Rudy. Wow. Yeah, you sh- you're very confident there. Are you sure? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> yes. And it is, in fact, the, the cross of the Scottish flag, the white cross on the blue field. Is for St. Andrew. Oh, yeah. Neat. There you go. And yeah, St. Bartholomew is one who got flayed alive. Yeah. Yes. All right, St. Andrew, uh, crucified on an X-shaped cross, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You should look it up. It's true. It happened. All right. uh, Praise be to God. Let's go to the second question. We're going to go to Adrian for this one. Adrian? Hardest question of the quarter. Okay. Um, I don't even... I think we should disqualify this question. It's so intensely hard. This is a pretty easy question, I think. You, really? I think this is the easiest question we've ever had. I don't even know that this is taught in doctrinal level theology. No, I definitely learned this in my PhD classes that I really? didn't take. Okay. okay. Your okay. online class. Can you tell me, uh, or rather, can you name one of the three attributes of the Catholic Church? Yes, I can. Just one, though. You just want one. Yes, please. Okay, just one of the three attributes of the Catholic Church is synodality. Really? That's why we hear about synods all the time. Wow. Yep. So that's one of the attributes of the Catholic Church. three attributes of the Catholic Church. Synodality. Synodality. Huh. S-I-N? Okay. Uh Mm, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rudy, your turn. Can you tell me, uh, or rather name for me, one of the three attributes of the Catholic Church? One of the three. Okay, well, in that case, I'll start alphabetically, and I'll just say authority. Authority. We are the authoritative source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Well, that's uh, tough choices here, Patty and Tony. Oh, we're looking for at least one of the three attributes of the Catholic Church. Rudy says it's authority, or at least one of them. But Adrian says it's synodality. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Patty and Tony... What say you? Um, hold my breath. I'm going for Rudy. Wow. You just, no one's going for Adrian. Mm. <laughs> 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 I what? mean, I guess I can't but blame we have you. Synods but we like every seven seconds. We do. It's true. It's we're, are we, we're in the Synod of Synod thing. We're in the Synod of Synod thing. Yeah, which yeah. is going to culminate synod in a Synod. On synodality yeah. about how we should have more Synods. Yeah. About synods. And still, that is not one of the three attributes of the Catholic Church. It's one of the three. The three are authority, infallibility, and indefectibility. Mm. So you learned it's something new today. Make sure to brag about that later in this in the day, Tony, at school. Authority, infallibility, and indefectibility. Praise be to God. All right, you're in for two. You're doing great. Fantastic. You're not swinging on any of the curveballs. But let's see if we can't get you in there for a third uh, time here. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy? 
Joe. I'm gonna say this is within your wheelhouse. Yeah? Oh yeah, this is definitely in your lane. Okay. You can handle this one. Oh, we're back to car metaphors. Uh, or baseball metaphors. <laughs> we're gonna mix a match today. But can you tell me, what is the Latin term for the period of time between the death of a pope and the election of his successor? Yes, we are still in what is called an interregnum. There is no actual pope on the throne. Interregnum. There hasn't been one since, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know, some Mm -hmm. people say 1952. Wow, that's kind of a long time. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kidding. I'm not a SETI, but it is known as interregnum, which is the period. Interregnum, you Yep. It's the period between the election of a new pope. Adrian should know this. He is an expert in empty chairs. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what is the Latin term for the period of time between the death of a pope and the election of his successor? Well, it's true. I don't know anything about chairs that are filled with people. (laughs) If there's someone sitting on it, then I'm totally confused. But empty ones, very familiar. But no, the word is called absconde. Absconde. All right, uh, Patty and Tony, you got options. Adrian says it's absconde, whereas Rudy says it's interregnum. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Patty and Tony, what say you? I'm going to vote for Adrian. No, go the other one. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Curveball to the low right corner. Swing and a miss. I'm sorry, Patty and Tony, but the answer is interregnum. Absconde is something different. But uh, you played well. We had fun. God bless you guys. Have a great day. You, you too. Have fun at school, Tony. We'll see you next time. Praise be to God. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thank you all for joining us today. Great conversations uh, on the economy and uh, and so much more. Tomorrow, Mr. John Horvath's going to be on talking about the use of blasphemy in our language. Uh, we need to pay attention to that. Join us in the after show today. We'd love to catch up with you directly. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Faustina Kowalska. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Godfather, praise and glory Thy children bring to Thee Thy grace and peace to mankind shall now forever be. O most holy Trinity, undivided unity, 
Holy God, mighty God, God immortal, be adored. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ eleison. Christ eleison. Kyrie eleison. Let us pray. Hear us, God our Savior, that as we rejoice in commemorating the Virgin, Blessed Faustina, we may be instructed by her loving devotion through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, after fourteen years I again went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up in accord with a revelation, and I presented to them the gospel that I preached to the Gentiles, but privately to those of repute, so that I might not be running or have run in vain. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter to the circumcised, for the one who worked in Peter for an apostolate to the circumcised worked also in me for the Gentiles. And when they recognized the grace bestowed upon me, James and Kephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas their right hands in partnership, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. Only we were to be mindful of the poor, which is the very thing I was eager to do. And when Kephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he clearly was wrong. For until some people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to draw back and separated himself, because he was afraid of the circumcised. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not on the right road 
in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all, If you, though a Jew, are living like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like the Jews? The word of the Lord. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. Go out, Go out to, to all, all the, the world, world and, and tell, tell the good news. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples. Go, Go out, out to, to all, all the world and tell the good news. For steadfast is his kindness toward us, and the fidelity of the Lord endures forever. Go out, Go out to, to all the world and, and tell the good news. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons, through which we cry, Abba, Father. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're celebrating today the memorial of St. Faustina, who has been called by St. John Paul II the Apostle of Mercy and was sent with a very uh, special and particular message to promote and to remind the world of the tremendous mercy of God that we receive in our life and that we encounter in sacred scripture. Today's gospel, we hear Jesus give us the our Father in terms of a reply as to how we are to tory part of the Christian life, that we must be able to forgive others. And in fact, we pray that very clause every day of our life whenever we pray the Our Father. So forgiveness is an imperative. It's a mandatory fact for the Christian. But we know that it's not always easy. Sometimes the love and the layers of emotional hurt and betrayal, and in fact the objective betrayal, that one encounters are so deep and so penetrating that it can be very difficult to be able to change one's heart or to soften one's heart to be able to offer forgiveness to another. I think in those circumstances it's always uh, crucial for us to remember of course the level of depth in which God has been able to forgive us of our sins even to going on the cross to die for us but also to remember that Forgiveness is primarily an act of the will and not merely a feeling that we have. It's an act of the will that we make to be able to make a gift to another, to offer them forgiveness. 
And usually in time, eventually our own feelings will come across or come around where they too will be healed. But Jesus reminds us that it is a mandatory gift which we are called to offer. In fact, the very word forgiveness, or the Latin word perdono, means through a gift. It's a free gift that one gives to another, which most times even can be undeserved, by which we are willing to forgive them of the offenses which they've made against us. It's also helpful, I think, to recall that forgiveness and reconciliation have a distinction between them. Forgiveness does not always lead to perfect reconciliation. In fact, the compound word reconciliation means literally to be at eyelashes with another person. The word re means again, con is a prefix for with, and chilia is the Latin word for eyelashes. In other words, if you're truly reconciled with someone, you're able to be eyelash to eyelash or face to face, that your forgiveness has resulted in a complete restoration of the relationship, that you're back to being eye to eye with the person. Of course, we know that's not always possible in life. Sometimes those who offend or those who transgress, um, they're not willing to acknowledge that they've hurt another person, they're not willing to acknowledge that they've done anything wrong, and therefore they're not willing to be reconciled. And in that way we can say, forgiveness is something we can always offer and we should always offer, because we pray it every day in the Our Father and Jesus has given it to us as a criteria of the Christian life to receive God's forgiveness. But we should also remember that forgiveness does not always lead to reconciliation because that takes both parties to be willing to be restored in relationship and for the offending party to be able to acknowledge their transgression and hurt and to accept forgiveness. When we think of St. Faustina and the message of mercy and when we reflect upon God's mercy, it also should then be striking to us that not only does God forgive us every time we sin and ask for his or we repent, but God also reconciles with us. He's always willing to come back, if you will, to being eye to eye, to restoring us in the fullness of reconciliation. It's a sign really of the depth of God's mercy. He forgives us, but he also reconciles us to himself and allows us to continue in the fullness of a relationship with him once we have asked for his forgiveness. And so my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward on this memorial of St. Faustina, let us be mindful of the tremendous gift of God's mercy that we have received in our life. That Jesus forgives us of our sins, that he's always willing to be reconciled with us. And let us ask God for the grace that no matter how difficult, no matter how deep the hurt or the pain or betrayal, that we would always be willing to forgive other people their trespasses against us, just as God has forgiven us our trespasses. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops, for their physical and spiritual well-being, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to enact laws which always safeguard and promote the dignity of human life from the first moment of conception to natural death 
and laws which do not transgress the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, for those who have asked for our prayers, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that hardened hearts would always be softened in the sight of the mercy of God, and that we too would be generous bestowers of mercy and forgiveness in our relationships with one another. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. All you who seek a comforture in sadness and distress, whatever sorrow burdens you, Whatever griefs oppress, Jesus, who gave himself for you upon the cross to die, unfolds to you his sacred heart, O oh, to that heart drawn now hear him as he speaks to us those words forever bless all you who labor come to me and i will give you rest O heart adored by saints on high and hope of sinners here we place our humble trust in you and lift to you our prayers. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. And may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. We proclaim your wonders, O Lord, and the Virgin, blessed Faustina Kowalska. We humbly implore your majesty that as her merits are pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ, 
for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. It is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness, and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Leni sunt et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, 
et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit all mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quit olis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quit olis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Ave verum garbus natum, de Maria Virgine. Vere pasum imalatum, in cruce promine. 
Cuius latus perforatum, fluxit aqua et sanguine. Estranabis pregustantum, mortis in examine. O Jesu dulcis, O Jesu pie, O Jesu Let us pray. Renewed by partaking of this divine gift, we pray, O Lord our God, that by the example of the blessed Faustina, bearing in our body the death of Jesus, we may strive to hold fast to you alone, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulce Do, Et Spes Nostra Salve. Adeclamamus, Exules Filii Heve, Adesus Piramus, Gementes et lentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea elco, arvocata nostra, illus tuus misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Iesum benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis postroc exilium ostende. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Radio blessed you? Bless a 